it's time to sit back and relax with your favorite drink and listen. The Harrowing, A Quick Bus Ride Into Hell, Part 1. Hal coughed and blinked open his burning eyes, his breath stuttering as a wave of heat and nausea rolled over him. Holding his position, bent forward against the steering wheel of the intercity transit bus, he took several deep, ragged breaths, focusing down at a mustard stain on his outsized middle as he attempted to regain his bearings. Another blast of heat assaulted him, hot enough to cause him to wince beneath the cover of his folded arms, and he shook his head weakly from side to side. Hazy memories began to cohere with his rational mind, and as they did, the distant sound of screeching began to rise in his ears. Screeching. The screeching of tires. The pain in his arm and chest. The impact. Jerking upright, Hal clutched at a hand to his heart, gasping and squeezing at the meat of his chest. He was still in the bus. He'd been driving, but then... Blinking furiously, he tried to make sense of his surroundings. A second wave of screeching wails met his ears and he frowned, turning to squint out through the glass doors. Where was he? He'd been driving through the tunnel, but that didn't look like concrete they were wedged up against. And that sound, that wasn't tires against pavement. It almost sounded like a great wailing of gnashing and teeth. Hal spun in his seat, searching for the source of the unfamiliar voice. His eyes fell on a man, a priest, clearly by the collar at his throat. Black of hair with grey at the temples, he stood, staring out the window before him, a distant and highly troubling expression on his face. Hal grunted a bit as he leaned to unfasten his seatbelt, then turned the rest of the way to take in the state of his passengers. Staring back, he paused. Where were the rest of them? There had been at least eighteen passengers at his last stop. Where were they? Only three people remained on the bus. The priest, still staring through the window. A young woman, maybe eighteen at most, dressed to the nines in the thickest goth glam Hal had ever seen, and a young man wearing dark-rimmed glasses and sea-green scrubs. Both of the latter two were finding their feet, beginning to stare about at their surroundings, a look of confusion similar to that which Hal himself was feeling, etched into their faces. "'Is everyone all right?' Hal asked hoarsely, Where's everyone else? Saved. The priest's voice was quiet and distant. Hal waited, but no further explanation followed. Shaking his head, he turned away. Sounds like EMS must have already started getting folks out. And just as well. Hal really didn't feel like dealing with a shell-shocked priest just now. Reaching his hand out, he fumbled to open the door. But it was jammed hard against the wall of the tunnel. Heaving himself up and out of the driver's seat, he started walking down the centre aisle. He stopped short when he made it to the priest. He hadn't moved as Hal approached, just stood there like a statue, staring out the window. Heat pressed hard against the side of Hal's face, and he turned to look out the same window. Flames glowed against the outside of the bus, stuttering and flaring in unsteady bursts fighting against the interior lighting for dominance against a thin pane of tinted glass. Shit, we're on fire. Hal caught a momentary glimpse of his own stunned face in the reflection as the fire wavered and disappeared once again. Pushing past the priest, 
he quickly moved to the rear exit, throwing his shoulder hard against the glass pane door when it wouldn't immediately open. It budged, but only by a small crack, and through it Hal was able to glimpse a mangled, soot-covered mass of corrugated steel, the remains of which looked like a shipping container, wedged tightly against the outside. He pushed against the door once more, but quickly gave up, turning back to try the emergency exit instead. Glass imploded from the opposite side of the bus, and a shriveled, smoking form hurtled in through the broken window. Shit! Oh, sh oh shit! The man in scrubs was shouting, scrambling over the back of the seat in an effort to distance himself from the burned and twisted body writhing in the aisle, right next to where he'd been sitting. A few seats forward, the goth chick began screaming. A sigh of relief passed over the lips of the burned man, and Hal watched in shock as he relaxed against the filthy flooring, what looked like rapture, nuzzling one blackened cheek against the rubber aisle. What the hell is going on? The rush of searing heat from the broken window brought Hal's attention back up, and the sound of screaming and screeching increased. Damn it, we've got to get out of here. All right, everyone. Off the bus now. We'll send EMS for him. Crossing to the emergency exit, he jerked the lever up with one thick fist and threw it wide. Glass crunched underfoot as he waved the passengers forward. Gothchick was the first to jump ship skirting around the smoking and sizzling man with a squeamish twist of her fishnet-clad legs, leather boots notwithstanding. The man in scrubs, casting one hesitant glance downward on his way past, quickly followed. Yo, Padre, you coming? The priest, unmoved from his distant attentiveness, even through the entrance of the burning man, blinked at Hal as if coming back to himself, and then nodded, turning to follow the others through the small exit. A scorching gust greeted Hal as he stumbled heavily to the ground, and he lifted an arm protectively in front of his face. Squinting through the caustic, sulfuric wind, he found the others just a few feet away, hovering close together far back in the space between the bus and the wall. Light flared from directly beside the huddled group, and they all cried out as the nearest set of tyres ignited and burst, dropping the bus sharply in their direction. Gothchick threw herself against the wall of the cave, but then immediately jerked away again, as if burned. Heavy streaks of black mascara running down her cheeks as she began to hyperventilate. Where are we? she cried, staring around the dark space with wild eyes. What happened? Hal held both hands out toward her, palms out, hoping to stave off any more hysterics. He really didn't have time for hysterics. Look, just calm down, nobody panic. Miss, what's your name? Frantic eyes found his face. Uh, Amelia. Hal nodded, then turned to the man in scrubs. Dr. Benjamin Turner, he answered at Hal's raised brows. I'm a resident and county general. Oh, we're in the middle of a freaking emergency, and this guy's going to make sure I know he's a doctor. Hal shook his head, spitting out a globule of ash-tasting saliva before turning to the priest. The father furrowed his brow. Who I was doesn't really matter now. My judgment has been passed. Judgment? What the hell's wrong with this guy? Ignoring his words, Hal asked instead. You said the others were already rescued. Where's EMS? The cops? The priest just stared at him. Hal stared back, the expression on the father's face making him think there was something he wasn't catching on to. 
Another blast of heat pressed against him, and he scrunched his eyes shut. He shook his head. Whatever, Padre. Come on. We've got to get out of this tunnel before the whole bus blows. I wouldn't. The priest's voice held a note of warning, and Hal paused in his motion of turning toward the rear of the bus, where a small gap remained between it and the wall. Excuse me? This cave, this uh, crevice of unnoticed, this is likely our last reprieve before final judgment. This is likely our last reprieve before final judgment throws us eternally into the fiery furnace. Whatever breath of the kingdom we carried here with us, it will not abide long. Not here. Fiery furnace? Judgment? Hal blinked hard at the man, shaking his head in frustrated bewilderment. Dude, what the hell are you... But then he broke off, slapping a hand to the side of his face as, with a painful flash, he remembered. His vision shrinking to a small bright haze, passengers and tires screaming in equal volume as the bus spun sideways, the oncoming semi careening through the freeway tunnel. Shaking his head, Hal cleared his spinning brain. Are you telling me... He began sinking drop plummeting from the pit of his stomach all the way to his toes. Then he shook his head again, scoffing at the ridiculous notion. This guy must have hit his head something fierce. You're crazy. How could a priest and a doctor end up in hell? He cast a momentary glance at Amelia, but said nothing, earning a reproachful look in return. He ignored this, though. Clearly she hadn't been going to church in those platform boots. Dr. Benjamin Turner, M.D., looked slightly uncomfortable, but it was the priest who replied, It's simply not a matter of our deeds that save our souls. Then he took a ragged breath, staring out past the rear of the bus at the dim glow of the light filtering in, and it would appear that some sins truly are unforgivable. Hal spared him one last incredulous look before turning away. Whatever you say, Padre, I'm getting out of here. He motioned to Amelia. You coming? Doc? Doc Turner nodded and moved to follow Hal and Amelia toward the dim light at the end of the tunnel. The bus had halted crookedly in the narrow space, and there was only a small crack between the rear of the vehicle and the wall in which to pass through. Sucking in his gut, Hal squeezed his body through the narrow gap, wincing as the heat of the stone burned his skin. His thoughts unconsciously slid back to the priest's ominous statement as he felt it sear across his back. A rush of scorching air blew past him as he emerged around the bus, and he spun away from it, blinking to find the others following with much less difficulty. Clearing the ashy grit from his eyes, he turned back to the red glow. The sound of screaming was louder, nearly overwhelming, and Hal found himself adamantly denying the priest's words, again and again and then again. A horn blast, deep and thunderous, shook the tunnel with its bustle call. Slapping his hands over his ears, Hal ducked his head, cowering against the heated wall. Through his squinted vision, he saw the red light at the end of the tunnel begin to flash. Fire trucks, thank God. But did they have to blare the horn like that? He turned to face the others. Looks like EMS is straight ahead, he shouted over the remaining echo. Likely thought it was too dangerous to enter the tunnel or something. I would do it right. They were worried about the integrity of the tunnel, so they didn't drive the vehicles in. 
He choked and coughed on another lungful of caustic smoke, surprised at the worry he felt when he realised it didn't smell like diesel fumes. A tendril of flame shot up the wall to his right, and he shied away. Amelia peeled her hands away from her ears. Something's not right, she whimpered, staring around at the confined space. Look, Hal maintained. You can see the flashes. They're less than fifty yards away. Doc Turner moved around her, staring at the mouth of the tunnel as he wiped his forearm across his face. A streak of black remained in its place. No, she's right. I'm telling you, Hal argued, motioning to the light, now a dim, steady red again, and he hesitated. Hmm, not flashing. Look at this place, the doc hissed through a choked cough. Does it look like a traffic tunnel to you? Hal stared at him, squinting against the caustic air, the smell of sulfur and hot iron thick in his nostrils. Look! And as the young resident's arm shot around in a frustrated attempt at illustration, Hal looked. Really looked. He blinked through the haze of the heat, searching the walls, the ceiling, the floors. Where were the lamps? No lines on the road. Those walls were made of stone, jagged and rocky, not concrete. Where the hell? But he stopped that thought dead in its tracks. Look, doesn't matter where we are. We need to get out before the whole bus goes up in flames. Not waiting for an answer, Hal spun and began marching down the tunnel, skirting sporadic bursts of flames as he moved purposefully on, trying to ignore the rising sense of dread growing in his middle as the sound of cries and wails increased with every step trying to keep his pace steady as the blistering wind blew with increasing fury against the exposed skin of his face and hands, trying not to think of the priest's words. But as he emerged through the mouth of the tunnel, all thoughts of denial or rescue or redemption left him. Towering walls of rock and flame extended out from either side of him in an endless stretch, curving around until they faded into the distance amid a rippling haze of smoke and heat. Slowly, his gaze followed the concave arc of jagged rock as it plummeted downward to form a fiery, gaping basin. Hell was a bowl. Hell was one giant, inescapable bowl filled with writhing bodies, all screaming and scrambling over each other in a bit to climb to the higher reaches. Hell followed the rise of the sloping walls, his eyes tracking the burning escarpments up to where they terminated, high above them, their peaks shrouded in a glowing black event horizon of brimming darkness. The darkness sucked at him, pulling at his clothes, his duty vest whipping the burning heat over his face until he was forced to turn away from the boundless expanse before him. A scream from right beside him caused him to jump, and he spun to find a body, crusted and blistered, climbing over the edge of the cliff at their feet. One smoking hand was clasped around Amelia's leather-clad ankle, she screamed again and kicked out at the body, breaking its grip and causing it to fall backward from where it had emerged. Shocked, Hal quickly stepped to the brink, leaning cautiously out over the edge. He watched as it tumbled, crashing against rocks and other bodies in its descent. Those bodies joining the first to create a grotesque cascade plummeted into the centre of the fiery bowl, where they disappeared with agonal shrieks into a vast, burning lake. Hal stumbled backward 
tripping over his own feet in his haste to escape the precipice. Suddenly, the horn sounded again, and, in a panic, he ducked beneath the shelter of his arms, pressing his forearms hard against his ears when his hands overshot their goal. He felt a rumbling begin in the soles of his feet as the horrid blast reverberated over the increasing volume of cries and screams. As he looked up, his frantic gaze sweeping the ledge, torrents of writhing bodies burst from the walls in all directions, flowing over each other in a macabre river of flesh, oozing from cracks and crevices as if the walls themselves were bleeding. Hal flung himself backward into the passage right as the bodies began tumbling over the mouth of the tunnel in a sickening waterfall of limbs and twisted faces. The heavy, repetitive sound of flesh smacking into stone made Hal's gorge rise, and he backed away, deeper into the darkness to find the others already there, all three of them, including the priest. The father simply stared out at the gruesome river of fire and flesh, a grim acceptance in his features as he began to edge forward. Father, Hal shouted, gagging, as fear-ridden nausea clamped his throat closed and his stomach heaved. I am undeserving of that title, the priest answered sadly, waiting for the cascade of bodies to ebb before moving closer to the lip of the cliff and staring down toward the lake of roiling fire. Hal coughed and gagged again, shielding his face with a forearm, his blast of heat smelling of brimstone and burning corpses rose up from the depths below. Father, get back! But the priest kept inching forward, eyeing the lake with a terrible intensity. A fire already glows harder. If I command myself now, before the torment truly begins, will I meet oblivion? If I seek my second death rather than flee it, will it still be eternal fire that awaits me? Hal watched in horror as the priest inched a toe over the edge. Perhaps it was simple instinct that caught at the man, for Hal truly believed in that moment that the priest was about to commit to that second, irreversible step. But instead he stumbled, wheeling an arm out behind him to catch his balance before he could slip fully over the edge. Amelia, eyes wild, darted forward and grabbed the back of his jacket. "'What are you doing?' she cried, clutching at his sleeve, pulling him back toward the mouth of the tunnel where he'd stumbled and fell against the inside wall. He was breathing heavily, but there were deep furrows in the centre of his forehead. He didn't seem capable of answering her, though. We just sat there, staring out at the infinite space, listening to the cries and struggles of the multitude, now once again climbing up the fiery walls. We need to get back to the bus. Hal looked around. It was the doctor who'd spoken. What? The bus. Didn't you hear what the priest said before? He knew where we were the moment he came to. We weren't getting burned back there. We need to go back. Sure enough, Hal could see the skin on Doc Turner's face beginning to redden and chap from the blistering wind that was a constant plague here, outside the tunnel. Nodding, Hal heaved himself up and staggered after the others, back toward the bus. He collapsed against the tires when they finally reached their goal. Had it been so hot here before? He was breathing heavily, gasping against the rawness of the heat, tears cutting path through the soot and smoke on his face as they leaked unbidden from the corners of his stinging eyes. Hal wiped a hand across his face, 
absently surprised when his fingers didn't come away, dripping with sweat and tears. The heat had cooked the moisture right off the surface of his skin. Suddenly he remembered what had befallen the last set of tyres, and he quickly pushed himself away, moving instead to the open emergency exit door. Jesus Christ! Hal leapt back, clutching a hand to his heart as he met the raw and blackened gaze of the burned man. He sat crouched in the opening of the small door, blocking Hal's way and grinning down at him with a lipless leer. Not anymore, he rasped. But once, yes. The priest shuffled near, peering around Hal as he blocked the heat from a nearby burst of flame with a sleeve. Blasphemy! The tormented soul chortled in low, gravelly tones. Oh, yeah, <laughs> plenty of that around here as well. Ignore his words. He's one of the damned. And here, too, you stand, priest. Unworthy servant. Hal felt another wave of nausea rise up, when a globule of flesh ripped away from the body's half-formed lips as he spat out his words. The doctor suddenly looked as sick as Hal felt, but Amelia was staring at the creature with a look of morbid fascination. Perhaps a similar fascination as what landed her here in the first place. Who are you? she asked, inching closer, her voice just audible over the rush of flame and wind. I'm old again, and your histories know me well, he hissed. I've been named Nero, Vlad, Khan, Himmler. I have ruled you, conquered you, taught you and enlightened you. I've been your king, your council, I've even been your pope. The priest curled his lip at this last one, but did not speak. Amun, he may call me, as that is how I lived first. Amun, Amelia echoed. But then Doc Turner pushed his way forward, causing Amelia to stumble even closer to the burn man. You've been all these people. You've gotten out? Suddenly Hal was paying very close attention. Hmm, the soul crooned. Oh, yes, there is a way out. But then he struck like a snake, darting his hand out and catching Amelia by the throat, jerking her close. Hal and the others leapt forward, but they were brought up short by Amelia's terrified squeak when the charred fingers abruptly tightened their hold. Amelia was squirming and whimpering, but Hal's gaze was drawn, transfixed, to the creature's hand and arm, where, in the manner of flames coruscating over burning wood, New flesh was beginning to ripple and bloom over the once scorched and peeling extremity. Ah, there is a way, Amun continued, inches from Amelia's shuddering face, tipping his head slightly as he took in her porcelain features. And if you take me there, I'll deliver you from an eternity of torment. The grinning face moaned, and Hal watched in horror as a slender tongue slipped out and licked Amelia from neck to head. Part 2 She screamed as a streak of red blistered in the wake of his sadistic kiss. Functioning on an instinct that surprised him, Hal swung at the burned man's face, missing but causing Amun to lose his grip as Amelia twisted away at the same time. She dove to the side and hid, sobbing behind the priest who held one protective arm out in front of her. This thing is vile, 
twisted, Hal thought, backing up again. In contrast to Hal's abrupt retreat, Doc Turner pushed forward, moving farther in front of Amelia and the priest, though admittedly still keeping a safe distance away from the crouching figure of Amun. Tell us how to get out, he demanded, a look of violent single-mindedness creasing his heat-stained face. Lips and tongue were fleshing out from where Amun had licked Amelia, and he seemed to be tasting her still as he spoke. Descensus Christi ad inferos. I was here when Christ descended and delivered the righteous from their perpetuation in Sheol. I was here when the Son of Man touched the fiery ground of Hades, and where the light of the kingdom exists, the fires of hell cannot. Muscle and tissue were beginning to rope backward over face and arm, lending Amun features, fullness, and definitely lending him strength. He uncoiled from his crouch just inside the door, keeping his motions deliberate and measured as he lowered one leg to the ground. It hissed where his foot made contact, but Amun seemed not to notice, gradually rising to his full height, shoulders straight and back erect. I alone followed the wailing of the damned who were blinded by the image of that which is holy, singing for eternity, trapped in a paradox of light and darkness. I'm with a padre on this one, Hal announced, growing more wary by the second as Amun spoke. He shook his head, squinting against the sulfuric flames. Now, this guy's just trying to use us. Look what he just got from touching Amelia. Oh, I most assuredly am going to use you, the burned man agreed shamelessly, one newly formed brow ridge lifting in an expression Hal couldn't quite read. The torment of hell is a bit distracting, see, and climb can prove difficult whilst having the flesh burn from one's bones. Amelia, finally regaining herself a bit, peered around from behind the priest's sleeve. Climb where? Amun grinned at her, to the ruins of Sheol, where the fires cannot touch. There dwells an entity who, if reached, will grant a soul one wish. A wish? Hal barked, not believing what he was hearing. This isn't a fairy tale, you twisted piece of shit. This is goddamn hell. Oh, God. This is hell, which is why I require the likes of you fine specimens to see me to the top. And you need me as well. Only I know how to reach the ridge, but only those with the lingering aura of... He sniffed deeply. Life about them are capable of reaching it without succumbing to the fires and falling into the abyss. Once that... How did you put it, Father? Breath of kingdom? Once that fully fades... He gave a low, mocking bow at this point, gesturing to himself as a whole. You'll be as bare to the fires of hell as all the rest. Hal exchanged a nervous glance with the other three, watching the decision solidify in their expressions as they studied each other, and then Amun. Only the priests seemed to still hold reservations. Nero, Himmler, you just expect us to allow you to pass back into the world unchecked. A sudden clarion horn blast interrupted the priest's ire, and Hal turned to see the red glow at the mouth of the tunnel begin flashing and flickering again. Not rescue lights. Bodies. Bodies leaking from the walls of hell like an infection, their purulent flow coursing over the mouth of the tunnel in rapid, fleeting shadows cast from the light of hellfire beyond. Amun tipped his head in a motion of complete disinterest. This bottle will only sleep for a brief time, 
Before long, it too will begin to flow again with the souls of the damned at the call of Charon's whore. What choice do you have? The priest's face hardened. There's always a choice. I'll take you, Doc Turner interrupted. I'll take you myself. Just get me out of here. The father turned his gaze on the doctor. You would visit that level of evil upon the world? The last time this demon wore the earth, he fueled the Holocaust. I don't want to burn. The moon gave a dark chuckle at the argument playing out before him. Do not fret, father. I'm hardly a demon. Man is capable of enough without any help from the likes of demons. But my knowledge of the occult is unsurpassed. You will not make the journey without me. Our time here grows short. Climb or burn. Climb, the doctor said immediately, stepping around Hal to stand closer to the tunnel entrance. Amelia looked uncertain, but soon she too gave a hesitant nod and moved out from behind the priest to stand beside the doctor. Hal hesitated for a moment, staring at the priest as he weighed his own soul against that of possibly thousands. At the next burst of fiery heat, though, his resolve faltered. Why start caring about other people now? You had your whole life to do that, and look how you screwed that up. Stay, if you wish. Hal looked up from where he ducked below the cover of his arm, drawn by the indifferent tone of Amun's voice. He wasn't where Hal had last seen him. He now stood placidly between Doc Turner and Amelia, unaffected by the raging storm of heat swirling around them. It matters not to me. These two are enough to see me to the ridge. I wish you well for your sojourn in hell. Damn it, he's going to this ridge whether I help him or not. I don't care what the Padre has to say, I'm getting out of here. Ducking beneath his arm once more, Hal turned and stepped toward Amun. The burned man gave him a wicked leer, but turned without a word and headed for the mouth of the tunnel. They emerged to the press of the burning, fetid wind, and the cries of the multitude of wailing souls was nearly deafening. Amun hesitated as the full brunt of hell's sweeping blaze washed over him, the exposed muscle fibers above his blackened jaw flexing and bunching in a poorly disguised shudder. The way is treacherous, he began, his voice far rougher than it had been inside the tunnel, barely audible above the drone of screams. If you fall, there is no return from the lake of fire. He turned a searching gaze over his shoulder and up. Taking a deep breath through the hole in his face where his nose should have been, he went on. We must ascend to the next sleeping portal before you are laying bare to the fire. Amun moved to begin scaling the wall, but when no one immediately followed him, he jerked to a halt, curling in on himself as he apparently reached some sort of invisible limit. He turned back to them with a frustrated stare. If it's your intent to linger until your flesh ignites, do tell me now. I'll abide a while longer in the peace of the portal while I watch you burn. Well, that was enough to get Doc Turner moving. Hull followed once Amelia began climbing, and to his surprise, saw the priest emerge from the mouth of the tunnel as well. Change your mind, Padre? Hull called over the howling, but the priest didn't respond. Only gave him a grim look and took to the wall beside him climb was impossible. 
a fact which Hal kept reminding himself of every burning, scraping inch, pulling himself hand over hand up the jagged rock face. Checking above him, he found Amelia and Doc Turner, younger and with much slimmer bodies, not having nearly the difficulty he was with his slightly more than middle-aged, overweight frame. The heat billowing up from the lake far below kept him moving, though, one blistering handhold after another. They climbed for what seemed like an hour, the updrafts ever worsening as they licked up the concave walls of Hell's outer reaches. Hal looked up, gritting his teeth against the burning ache in his limbs as he pulled himself ever upward, the pain in his muscles a dim shadow against the scorching wind constantly racing over his flesh. Amun had reverted to the struggling, wailing creature they'd first met, and he scrambled over rocky cliffs and rises with the single-minded determination of one who was running from oblivion and finally had the end in sight. Suddenly Amun's grotesque form disappeared over a rise. Doc Turner, closest behind him, soon followed suit. Eventually, Hal slapped a meaty arm over the edge of the rocky landing, the cracks and blisters across his skin giving him a moment of angst as his eyes focused on them. He looked across the ledge for the others. Amelia and the doctor were dragging Amun by the arms into the shelter of a dark crevice, narrow and jagged against the harsh light of spurting flames. Gaining the rise, Hal struggled forward a few inches on his hands and knees, breath heaving and lungs burning. He spit the grit from his mouth only to watch the globule of saliva hiss and immediately sizzle into nothing. He jumped when he felt a hand under his arm, and a sharp tug brought his gaze up to find the priest trying to pull himself to his feet. Desperate, he clasped at the hand and heaved himself up, leaning heavily on the other man as they struggled forward. How knew the instant that they passed into the crevice. It was like a breath of cool spring air washing over him, and he suddenly realized just why Amun had been nuzzling the dirty rubber aisle mat when he'd first crashed upon them. It must have been bliss. Is this what just the memory of mortal life feels like to the damned? Doc Turner was holding a hand to Amun's head, as if in benediction, as Hal and the priest struggled toward them. Flesh and sinew squirmed and spread beneath his hand, but not as quickly as it had before with Amelia. Were they losing their protection that quickly? Amelia turned at the sound of them approaching and gave them an unsteady smile, rubbing her hand against her arm. She asked, Where are we? Hell, was Amun's immediate hoarse answer. Amelia took an impatient breath and kicked one of her heavy booted feet. Thanks, Sherlock. I mean, why does it feel so nice here? Nice isn't supposed to be a part of hell, I assume. Well, the gateways into hell are eternal. He explained, bliss radiating from his voice as he continued lapping up energy from Doc's touch. But just as with me, the residue of the mortal coil leaves its mark. Frequently the tunnels sleep, clogged and sullied by the taint of humanity left by the multitude of souls passing through their walls. He tipped his head slightly to look up at Amelia from beneath the cover of Doc Turner's hand. You for a fortunate... The gateways vomit the souls bent for eternal torment down to the lower levels without prejudice. Had your, uh, contraption not been lodged in the tunnel's gluttonous throat, you'd be burning in the pit with all the others. Hal gave himself a mental shake to chase away the memory of those writhing masses of bodies. 
motioning to the priest, still at his arm. They staggered farther back into the cave. That one deserves to burn here, Hal grumbled as he flopped down onto the blessedly cool stone floor of the cave. Fire continued to stutter and burst from cracks in the walls at frequent intervals, but Hal felt nothing of their heat. But not you? The priest's voice held a questioning note, and Hal turned to look at him. The priest was watching him, eyes tipped upward beneath his brows from where he'd sat slumped against the opposite wall. The space was small, and Hal could see the streaks lining the priest's face where sweat had tried and failed to linger. Hal shrugged, trying to appear as if the idea didn't bother him as much as it did. It freaking terrified him now. Dunno. I never masterminded any evil regimes, but suppose I never really worked that hard at staying out of this place either. There's retrospect for you, huh? The priest gave a dark laugh. <laughs> I suppose so. Hal rested his head back. How about you, Padre? What lands a priest in the fiery furnace? The priest didn't immediately answer, but Hal could see in the way he sat silent, brow wrinkled together, that the question bothered him. I believe our crispy friend over there said it best. He finally began, making a subtle motion with his head over toward Amun and causing Hal to chuckle a bit, despite their current circumstance. I was an unworthy servant, he went on. My great sin was doubt. I doubted the gospel, doubted the resurrection, but what was worse, I um, encouraged others to doubt as well. Hal sobered at the other man's heavy words. Isn't that a good thing, though? He asked, running his fingers back through his thinning hair as he spoke. Shouldn't you encourage people to think for themselves? Perhaps, he agreed, his voice hesitant. A healthy amount of doubt from the average person can certainly strengthen one's beliefs. But when that doubt is coming directly from your church leader, well, it tends to have a much greater impact, especially on those who had a shaky belief to begin with. My colleagues found out, of course, and... I was taken away from my parish to be reassigned to the city hospitals, where my work primarily consisted of administering the last rites. He gave a deep sigh then, the regret heavy in his voice. Oh, who knows how many songs I helped deliver to this place. Hal could only stare at the poor figure in front of him. Wow, and I felt my hindsight was screwed. Hey! Hal turned at the soft voice. Amelia was standing there, her cheeks and shoulders showing angry red blisters, as if she spent the day frying in the sun. Oh, what Hal wouldn't give for all this just to be one bad sunburn. Amun says we need to keep going. He's able to walk again now and, well, it's time to go. Hal hung his head for a moment and nodded, taking in what little bit more of the crevices reprieve as he could. All right. Hefting himself off the cave floor, he reached a hand down to the priest. Glancing up, the priest nodded once and took it, allowing Hal to pull him up to his feet. He kept a hold of Hal's hand, though, even after he was fully upright, and Hal glanced down at this before checking the priest's face. Nathan Donahue. Hal blinked. Pardon? Before, at the bus, you asked my name, and I very rudely refused it. Oh, um, right. 
Hal. Hal Richardson. Father Donahue didn't release his hand. Hal, I'm sure I don't need to tell you this, as you seem to be the only other one among us who has reservations about this plan, but don't trust Amun. He needs us now, but, but will he later? He released Hal's hand with a meaningful squeeze, and Hal followed his gaze over to the three figures silhouetted by the red glow beyond the crevice. Amun stood erect and strong once more, but Doc Turner and Amelia seemed, well, slouched, tired, drained. With a nod to Father Donahue, Hal moved to join them at the entrance. How much farther? he asked as he reached them his shoulders tensing as he eyed the light coming from outside. Amun looked at him with disdain. You were fortunate, my rotund friend. Your gateway was quite high, relatively speaking. You have about a day or so's journey ahead of you, as you are right now. What do you mean, as we are? Though he thought he already knew. Amun gestured broadly to the scene outside the mouth of the cave. Imagine if you would, making this climb blinded with pain, your skin peeling from your flesh as you drag yourself up the escarpments, your bones charring away, only to regrow in a perpetual cycle of torment. And yet you climb, climb from the burning lake below, from the uncertainty of whether falling will lead you into oblivion, or even to a greater escapable torment. How didn't meet Amun's burning gaze as he went on? I'm sure you could imagine it taking quite some time in this state. As you are, though, the journey's swift. Like only several weeks from the lake to the ridge, but I've been climbing for 45 years, and I've climbed for much, much longer. Alone, stealing from sleeping gateway to sleeping gateway. The remaining journey might take me months, years even, and that's assuming I don't fall. Amelia cast a nervous glance out through the opening in the wall. What happens if you fall in the lake, I mean? The first notes of disquiet marred Amun's practice facade. I don't know, but those who do, do not re-emerge. A horrible prickle ran up Hal's back, and he looked away. Uh, let's go, then, before this temporary buffer wears off. The climb was worse this time. Much worse. Hal could feel baked skin splitting over his knuckles. Blisters rose and burst over the flesh of his back, and the hair on his head and arms slowly diminished to crisp, blackened shrivels. He felt the fire now, when it burst through the crevices surrounding him. He felt his body crackling and peeling, and he felt the hiss of skin on stone with every passing grip as they slowly ascended the barren rise, creeping ever closer to the terrible, black event horizon obscuring the upper reaches. Hal could feel the draw of it, pulling the waves of heat upward from the lower levels in a turbulent blaze, drawing in everything, even the light, dim as it was from the lake below. All disappeared into its ravenous maw. By the time Amun sniffed out the next gateway, Hal was having serious doubts as to whether or not this climb would be physically possible. With a tight-jawed moan, he collapsed into the mouth of the small, round tunnel, inching forward on his elbows as he held his blistered palms away from the stone. Then, he simply lay there, shaking, weeping, sucking deep gasps in and out through gritted teeth. When, finally, he was able to lift his head again, he looked forward. 
Doc was laying hands on Amun again, though he himself seemed not too much further behind the wretched creature. His scrubs bore large blackened holes, revealing scorched and blistered skin beneath. His breathing was laboured. His shoulders seemed too heavy for the young doctor to carry. Father Donahue, Hal saw then, had abandoned his polyester jacket, though the melted remnants of it still marred the once white cotton of his shirt sleeves, and Amelia, who hadn't had much in the way of protective garments to begin with, showed bright red cracked skin from fingertips all the way across her back and over her face. Her hair, once long and shiny, had been singed nearly to her scalp and now stuck out in twisted, spiky tendrils. Recognising he must not be in any better state, Hal fumbled out of the melted remains of his duty vest and tossed it aside, brushing away the last bit of charred sleeve from one arm. Rolling onto his back, he breathed deeply of the life-tainted air. A sucking gust rushed past him, and his vest was suddenly ripped from the tunnel, swept away by the constant draw of the ominous dark nimbus looming outside their refuge. Amelia's hushed voice drifted up from the distant sound of wailing. Amun, what happens if we're sucked into that black hole up there? Hal listened carefully. He'd been wondering that himself. Ah, thinking of an escape, my sweet. Amelia didn't answer, so Amun continued. I wouldn't advise it. Though I've never attempted the feat myself, I have in the past crossed paths with one who has. You are not erased, nor spat back out onto earth, nor out into empty space. You're simply regurgitated back through the gateways to take your chances sliding down the river of souls when next Sharon calls you home. There is no escape from hell, you see. Uh, except for you, Hal croaked, the act causing him to cough nearly to convulsions. He looked back up in time to see Amun smiling at him in a chilling sort of way. Yes, except for me, and those fortunate enough to have crossed paths with me early enough in their journey because otherwise you'd have no use for them, he thought darkly. A glance at Father Donahue told Hal the priest was having a similar thought. Seconds later, or maybe hours, Hal couldn't quite swear to which, Owen shot to his feet, posture hunched in the small space as he crouched with his head slightly tipped, as if listening, his whole body held rigidly still. We must flee. Hal's gaze sharpened on him and then rapidly flicked around to Father Donahue and the others. What? We must flee. And before Hal could question him again, Amun had darted for the cliffs. Then a sound met his ears, a sound like boiling thunder emanating from the deeper reaches of the cave. It was quickly followed by a blast of fetid wind, putrid enough to make Hal's eyes water, and he struggled to his feet. Climb, you fools. Ammon's furious voice echoed back. The gateway. It wakes. Realizing then what the horrible sound must be, Hal spun and scrambled toward the opening, desperately racing ahead of the wave he knew was sure to come. The horn sounded, and Hal cried out as it echoed through the passage, rattling his eyes and traveling down the darkened tunnel like a beacon calling home the souls of the dead. The burbling sound grew louder, and the rush of air increased. He was right on Father Donahue's heels, but they weren't moving fast enough. The 
burbling was changing to a roar, and Hal threw one terrified look over his shoulder to see a dark, roiling mass racing toward them. Part 3 Hal swung himself out of the tunnel, bracing his back against the burning cliff face just as the tide of bodies gushed past him. He turned his head quickly to the side, closing his eyes against the sight and panting to catch his breath. He opened them again to find the others on the ledge next to him, all pressed tightly against the rocky wall. We climb, came Amun's ragged voice from the opposite end of the group. Before the flow ebbs and someone tries to follow us. How was about to question why Amun didn't want anyone following them, but the heat was rapidly growing oppressive against his skin, and he simply ducked his head to follow. They climbed, resting when they could at the ever-decreasing frequency of sleeping gateways, their bodies becoming more and more susceptible to the debilitating press of burning wind as their journey progressed. Hal could only watch when Amelia began crying, screaming as a large rent burst open across her back. He watched too as Doc Turner slowly began losing ground until he was barely keeping up pace with Hal at the back of the group, and he watched all the troubled, dangerous glares directed at Amun from Father Donahue every time they gained a portal. Hal didn't know how long they'd been climbing when he began to hear the hauntingly out-of-place sound of singing superimposed over the distant cacophony of weeping and wailing. He imagined he must fully resemble one of those blackened souls from the depths by now, but that sound, that beautiful, chilling sound, renewed his struggle and he pulled himself onward up the rocky cliff with strength and resolve. Amun too seemed to sense the end of his journey, and his blind scrambling increased, so much so that they climbed right past a gateway cave, the sweet, cool breath of life issuing from it nearly enough to make Hal abandon the party and run cowering for the mouth. He stayed on Amun's tail, though, fortunately for Hamun. They were nearly at the crest of the rise when Amun, wailing like one of the bodies from the edge of the lake, missed his grip. Hal saw him try to catch himself, but the skin on his palms, blackened and peeling from the searing rock, simply sloughed away beneath his grip. And with a cry like a thousand screaming souls, he toppled backwards, flailing and reaching to his utter limit. Doc Turner reached for him but missed. Hal, though, shot his arm out just in time to catch the shrieking creature's ankle as he tumbled past. Hal gripped his rocky handhold with all his strength and heaved, rotating Amun's body around so it was lying against the rock face again feel the crawling sensation of Amun's flesh growing beneath his hand as the creature leached off his touch. Gritting his teeth, Hal looked down. Amun was dangling limply in his grip, the strands of tendon and sinew worming out from Hal's palm in ropey bands as he held on. Suddenly, Amun's body contracted, knees bending and abdominals flexing, curling himself up like a snake as he reached a hand out for Hal's wrist. Amun's hand made contact with him, and Hal's vision went white. A girl wearing all black, with pink-tipped black pigtails on either side of her head, bounced up the steps of the bus. Two black-haired, black-clad teenage boys with dead eyes followed her in. They took seats only a short distance away from where Hal sat, for once not driving. She wore a silver cross around her neck, and Hal grunted a soft laugh at the sight. 
The girl saw and frowned in his direction. You got a problem? Hal raised his brows in innocent mockery. Nah, it's just, shouldn't you be wearing a pentagram or a goat or something? Don't exactly strike me as a choir girl's all. The girl glanced down at her cross. I can still be a Christian and dress like this, she said venomously. The boy seated across from her looked away and rolled his eyes, but not at him, Hal thought, but her. Hal shook his head, not wanting to argue or cause an argument either. He simply lifted his brows in mock humor and looked away. Ah, whatever you say, sweetheart. Hal blinked as the blaze of heat returned and looked down to see Amun now reaching toward his shoulder. He felt raw bone grip his upper arm. Hal felt the shock rip through his body and he gasped, unable to move. The jolt tore through him again and he coughed, finally opening his eyes to the blinding glare of fluorescent lights. Another light, even brighter than the ones overhead, passed in and out of his vision. Pupils equal and reactive. Hal squinted and rolled his head to the side. The sound of measured beeping loud in his ears. A crucifix hovered before his vision, and he stared at it in puzzlement. Blinking, his gaze finally cleared to reveal the blurred image of a priest. Licking his lips, Hal rasped. Don't waste your breath, father. There wasn't anything on the other side. Amun reached with his other hand, the charred bones of his fingers wrapping around the front of Al's face. The beeping was monotonous, and the nurse, the only interesting thing that had graced his room in over an hour, was long gone. Hal stared with indifferent attention as the young doctor spoke to him in buoyant words about how lucky he was and how he'd had a second chance. Hal waved his encouragement away with a tubed hand. The doctor gave him a frustrated look. I literally just saved your life. The least you could do is act happy about it. Sorry to disappoint you, Doc, but your career's going to be made up of one ungrateful son of a bitch after another. Hope you weren't expecting a pat on the back. Hal was shaking by the time Amun's hand left his head. A scaly foot on his shoulder announced the wretched creature climbing free of him over the rise to the landing, but Hal couldn't move. He hung there, grasping tightly to the rock as he shook, his face feeling cold despite being pressed against the burning stone. Hal! It was Father Donahue's voice that called down to him. Hal slowly looked up, feeling the jerkiness of his motions and imagining a look of terror that must be written across his face. Father Donahue's eyes darkened as he realized something had happened. Keep climbing! Hal just hung there, though, shaking, weeping inside. Just keep climbing. Hal wasn't sure if he could, but one hand. He moved one hand. Reaching up, he grasped at the next rocky spur, then the next, and then another. Eventually, he gained the rise. Father Donahue's hand gripped his wrist for the last few inches, pulling him into the rocky precipice. Hal rolled onto his back, weeping from both pain and shame. Rolling his head to the side, he saw Doc Turner splayed out on the ground in a similar state as he, Amelia hovering anxiously near his head. What happened back there? Father Donahue asked. I thought you were going to lose your grip for sure, either that or jump. What happened when Amun touched you? 
Oh, the priest doesn't miss much. I'm... He gasped, swallowing back the choking sobs. I'm the reason you're all here. Father Donahue furrowed his brow in a sympathetic sort of way, and Hal felt himself grow unexpectedly angry. He didn't want this man's sympathy. You can't blame yourself for how each of us chose to live our lives, simply because you're the catalyst that ended them. Look, we all make our own choices. Hal shook his head. He didn't understand, and Hal didn't feel like explaining it to him. He hadn't been talking about wrecking the bus. No, he'd... He elbowed himself upright, hanging his head a bit as he cleared his mind of the disturbing memories. It's all my fault. The sound of singing voices came back to him then, and he tipped his head in the direction it was coming from. Hal licked his chapped and peeling lips. How is there singing in hell? I don't know, the priest answered darkly, also looking in the direction of the incongruous sound. But I have a feeling that's where we're headed. Come on, we don't want to be left behind. No, he did not want to be left behind. Struggling to his feet, though, he realized he wasn't the only one feeling the effects of the impossible journey. Amelia was tugging on Doc Turner's arm, urging him to his feet, but the doctor seemed unable to gather himself enough to stand. Amelia was beginning to cry, her tears turning to steam and leaving bright red tracks down her cheeks. Hal hurried to her side, grabbing the young doctor beneath the other arm and heaving him up. As soon as he let go, though, Doc Turner crumpled back down to his knees. He's got nothing left. He gave everything to that foul moon. Hal lifted him again and turned his head, searching, but then drew sharply back, stumbling when he found Amun's putrid face inches away from his own. Amun's hand darted out and grabbed Dr. Benjamin Turner's throat, knocking Hal aside with a sweep of his arm. Hal hit the ground hard, rolling several feet before crashing against a sharp rise of rock. He shook his head. Holy shit, he's strong. Strong not only from the doctor's touch, but now from Hal's as well. He thought he might have left a layer of skin on the stone of the ridge as he struggled to right himself, but he finally managed it leaning heavily against the cliff wall, one arm folded tight against his ribs. Blinking away the burning smoke and grit, he opened his eyes to find Amun holding Doc Turner by the neck, dangling his body out over the abyss. Amelia was shrieking at him, her ragged form staggering forward against the blazing updrafts pounding along the narrow ledge. Amelia! Hal choked, reaching an impotent arm out towards her. Amelia, stay away from him. But Amelia had already reached the beast, now nearly fully fleshed. And Doc, well, Doc was screaming, screaming as his flesh burned away in a coursing rise of hellfire, screaming as his fat melted and flared in bright, hissing bursts like a piece of roasting meat. Dark hair was sprouting from Amun's head, growing and whipping about his face in the turbulence from the doctor's burning body. Amelia leapt at Amun's back, jerking hard at the wild mass flying about his head, but he barely shifted at the intrusion. He simply released his grip, and Dr. Benjamin Turner fell from the ridge, his wretched screams joining the legions of others rising from the sloping cliffs surrounding the lake of fire. 
Father Donahue was struggling to reach Amelia, but Hal shouted his name, blocking a blast of heat with his scorched arm. The priest hesitated, casting an agonized look in her direction, but clearly knowing, as Hal did, that Amelia's journey had ended the moment she touched her up. Hal heard Amelia begin to wail, that horrid, piercing cry of unparalleled pain that dominated this place. The sound of it struck him to his very core. Sick, demented, psychotic piece of shit. Finding his feet, Hal crouched, bracing himself for a steadying breath before leaning forward and touching the tips of his fingers to the rocky surface of the ridge. Well, he hadn't done this since high school, but he'd been pretty damn good at it back then. Digging his toes into the stony ground, Hal pushed off with all his strength, launching himself forward toward the towering form of a moon as Amelia's tiny body burned away in his grip. Gauging a moon's proximity to the ledge, Hal dropped his shoulder and careened into the twisted soul's back, shoving him forward with both palms as hard as he could. Is he close enough? Am I strong enough? Hal felt the drop in his stomach that told him, better than his eyes could, that he had reached the lip of the ridge. A sharp jerk from behind caught him just before his other leg cleared the edge, and he stumbled, spinning sharply to scrabble at the edge of the drop-off, clawing to find the purchase on the stony ledge as the sound of Amun's torturous screams faded into the wails rising from below. Father Donahue held the tail of Hal's shirt in a two-handed grip, now pulled almost entirely up and over the back of Hal's head as the priest struggled to keep him from sliding the rest of the way over the ridge. A vein in the priest's temple was pulsing as he pulled against Hal's weight, one foot braced solidly against a jutting spur of rock. He heaved, and Hal lifted with him, dragging himself back up over the ledge until he lay panting on the ridge once more. Father Donahue on his back beside him. As soon as he could manage, Hal struggled upright, casting an unsteady glance over the edge of the cliff. There was no sign of a moon, nor of Amelia or the doctor. Do you think they went all the way to the bottom? Father Donahue lifted himself onto one elbow with a grimace. Oh, who knows? Benjamin and Amelia, likely so, but... Amun, oh, Amun has the full strength of two people in him now, and likely some of yours as well. It wouldn't surprise me if he managed to catch himself before falling too far. We should hurry. Hal looked over at him, brows drawn down. Hurry where? I just tackled our guide off the edge of a cliff. Father Donahue shook his head, though, cupping a meaningful hand to his ear. Those voices clearly don't belong here, and I seriously doubt Amun would have risked draining his tickets home unless he was very close to his goal. He mentioned when we first became acquainted with him something about beings trapped, singing for eternity. I say we head toward that singing. Without waiting for Hal to object, the priest stood, zeroed in on the sound of voices, and began walking through the swirls of heat and smoke. The sound of voices kept increasing in volume as they walked, hunched against the driving wind. They came to a narrow stretch, only about a foot of rocky lip edging a sheer cliff face, but it was clear that the haunting song was coming from right around this precipitous bend. The sound was becoming shriller the closer they got, 
like a church choir comprised of 80-year-old women with emphysema. But still, it called to them. Hal and Father Donahue carefully inched their way along the narrow lip, then followed the crags around to a wide opening, revealing... Is that a church? Father Donahue blinked as well, making a motion toward his nose, which suggested to Hal that the man was used to wearing glasses and felt a sudden need to adjust them. I, um, I think so. A church in hell. Hal shook his head at the irony of it, but clearly the rough structure, erected from fallen rock and carved stone, could only be a church, a steeple and all. Father Donahue licked his cracked lips. The moon said this place came into existence during the harrowing of hell, and that hell cannot exist where Christ has set foot. It would stand to reason. Hal didn't really know how to reply as he studied the blatant incongruity before him. Was that a moat surrounding it? Hey, there's a bridge. We can cross over. The singing was nearly deafening by the time they reached the stone bridge, but why there was even a bridge in hell, how could only guess? It wasn't like water could last long amid this fire. But as Hal thought this, and then thought to look down into the swirling moat, he immediately backpedaled, taking several hasty steps away from the bridge. He stumbled backward, running into Father Donu in his hurry to get away. He swallowed thickly, glancing back over his shoulder at the priest to find a questioning expression on his face. Clearly, he hadn't looked yet. Well, Hal rasped, clearing his throat before he continued. Now we know where the singing's coming from. The creases deepened between the priest's brows, and he inched forward, craning his neck to see over the lip of the moat, Hal close behind him. Below them, Swirling in a river of murky shapes was a flowing current of human bodies, mouths gaping, tongues flopping, jaws hanging so wide that... No. Hal looked closer. They had no jaws, just gaping throats and flailing tongues, all singing in discordant harmony an eternal hymn of adulation while their bodies eroded away from their endless, habitual yearning. Oh, we can't stay here. Father Donahue called, of the sounds of wailing praise. We have to cross. Hal nodded, not being able to tear his eyes away from the horrific sight below him. A sharp tug at his shoulder brought his mind back, and he nodded, turning to cross the bridge. The fire ceased the moment they stepped foot on the other side. It was like a sudden deadening to his senses. Hal could still vaguely hear the whistling bluster swirling around the ridge, but it no longer touched them. He could still see the fiery bursts issuing from the surrounding cliffs, but his skin no longer burned, and the relief was ecstasy, a cessation of pain, a balm against the searing flame. Where the light of the kingdom exists, the fires of hell cannot. Hal felt the tears well and fall from his eyes like summer rain. He choked back a rising sob, motioning to the priest without looking over at him. Come on, let's get out of this place. And as one, they stepped through the open stone doorway of the church. At first, Hal saw nothing as he passed the threshold, nothing but a vast empty room. 
Stone windows let in shafts of deep red light, and an altar stood in the shadows on a dais at the far end of the uh, sanctuary. Oh, clearly it was, very much so. Hal felt his thoughts immediately turn to Amelia and Dr. Turner. They were supposed to be here, too. But then he paused, rethinking that. No, they weren't supposed to be here at all. If I hadn't poisoned their spirits, if I hadn't brought them down, right when they needed someone to lift them up, uh, well, they'll never escape this place. He felt wretched, horrible, a squirming feeling of guilt in his gut, unaffected by the peace of the structure around him. He glanced at Father Donahue as they moved further into the church. The priest seemed uneasy about something as well, brow drawn tight and jaw bunching with every step they took. Hal watched him cast a furtive glance behind them, and then understood. Amun. Who knew how Father Twisted Soul had fallen before he managed to catch himself, if at all? Yeah, we should be so lucky. Hal knew it was optimistic at best to simply assume Amun had tumbled all the way down and into the lake. And suddenly, he couldn't resist casting a nervous glance over his shoulder too. Father Donahue's abrupt grip on his arm brought his attention back around in front of him. Hal followed his rigid gaze to the altar, now only a few paces away. A figure was there, hidden in the shadows, and as Hal stared, it began to move, rising from a hunched crouch to stand seven, no, eight feet tall, and covered by a dark shroud that obscured its face and body. Why did Amun say this thing was? Hal asked, nervously rubbing his thumbs over his fingertips as he tried not to back away. Father Donahue shook his head, following the creature's motions as it moved around in front of the altar. He didn't. He alluded it to being an anomaly created by the paradox of something wholly existing, though briefly, in the kingdom of hell. Or perhaps a being already of hell that was altered by the coming of Christ. Broadwing snapped open beneath the shroud blackened and malted, a drift of embers swirling out on either side as the air eddied around them. Hal gaped. An angel? One of the fallen? The priest breathed in a hushed voice. Part 4 The angel's head snapped to face them at the sound of their voices, and Hal could see, though still obscured by the dark shroud, the being's eyes were bound with cloth. Lost souls. Hal and Father Donahue both cowered beneath the quaking volume of the fallen angel's voice, at once beautiful, even as it was terrifying. Slowly, Hal lifted his hands from where they'd fled to his ears. Ah, oh, yeah. I guess that's sort of us. Jesus H. Christ, how am I supposed to speak to a freaking angel? Um, uh, who are you? The shrouded angel regarded Hal with his blind gaze. I am Gadriel. Gadriel, Father Donahue whispered, wincing again at the volume. One of the watchers. Hal cast a skeptical look at the bindings around the angel's eyes, but said nothing. I was once one of the Almighty's most trusted, cast down into darkness for imparting knowledge to his children. 
Perhaps Gadriel sensed the discomfort his volume had caused Hal and Father Donahue, because his clarion voice seemed slightly more moderated as he spoke. Hal turned a confused look on the priest. That doesn't seem so bad, he murmured, voice low. How'd he end up here, though? But Father Donahue shook his head, leaning in close. The more obscure religious texts describe the fall of Gadriel with conflicting certainty. One thing most agree on, though, is that he was the angel who led the serpent into Eden to tempt Eve with knowledge, and then later taught mankind the art of war and weapons. He was cast out of heaven for following Lucifer in a rebellion against God. He's not an angel in the traditional sense. Be careful. Hal could feel his stomach dropping lower as the priest talked. And though they'd been keeping their voices low, Gadriel's masked gaze on them was unfaltering. Damn it, why is he making me do all the talking? We are... We were told you could get us out of here. His words sounded ridiculous, even to himself. That you could, um, grant us a wish. Yeah, because that sounds any better. The dark, sinuous wings flexed beneath the shroud before folding slightly in on themselves. For the love I bear humanity, I will grant a gift to any whom find their way to my feet. Father Donahue stepped forward at last, a probing sound to his voice. Your gifts didn't end so well for humanity in the past, love notwithstanding. Gadriel surveyed him with sightless gaze, then turned his face unerringly to the nearest window, the red glow illuminating his shrouded face in a haunting silhouette. My gifts were meant to enlighten, to protect, to embolden, but such gifts, it seems, were not within the scope of man to cope with, and they turned that knowledge on each other. It was my bitterness, my hubris, that spurred my fall from grace. But it was here when I saw the perfection of the sun, the lengths to which the Almighty was willing to sacrifice, or to correct my mistakes. It was here I found glory again. I abide here now, hopeful of the day he might descend once again and lift me up like Abraham. Until that day, I will help his lost children as I can. Then, uh, can you get us out of here? Out of hell, I mean, Hal asked in a rush. I can deliver one of you. Hal froze. He cast a worried look over at Father Donahue and then back at the shrouded angel. One. And then I must rest. My powers are not as they were on earth or in heaven. Once expanded, I must rest the seven cycles before I am capable once more. Hal stared up at Gadriel. Oh, that freaking ghoul. That's why Amun didn't want anyone following us from the fissures. He shook his head, grinding his teeth until his jaws hurt. Amun had never intended for any of them to see the inside of this place. They'd been his protection, his transportation. God, and I'd been his goddamn bus driver. Hal's mind was racing as he tried to focus on Gadriel's words. Seven cycles. Cycles of what? How long is a cycle? Father Donahue's face was scrunched, as if he were trying to remember something from a long time ago. He brought one hand up to pinch the bridge of his nose. It has something to do with, um, Sabbath years. Cycles of Sabbath years. Each cycle is seven years, I believe, so seven cycles would mean... 
49 years. Hal breathed. Then he rounded on Gadriel. You want one of us to wait almost 50 years to get out of this place? Father Donahue pulled gently at Hal's arm, but he drew away, running a hand over the crisp remnants of hair covering his scalp. Oh, shit. He paced to the opposite window and back. Shit. He couldn't ask Father Donahue to stay here in hell when he was the reason the man was here to begin with. Fifty years in hell. Hal, the priest called gently, but Hal kept pacing. Hal, I want you to go. Hal stopped his frantic march, running a weary hand over the burned, cracked skin on his face. I'll stay behind and watch for Amu. Hal gritted his teeth and spun to the man. I, I, no, I, I can't ask you to stay behind. Not here, not like this. You didn't. I told you. I'll stay and guard the way. He crossed to Hal and squeezed one of his shoulders. Amun cannot be loosed upon the earth again. Not in an age that has weapons capable of destroying the entire world. I was never a good shepherd to my flock while I lived. I can protect them better from here. Then, releasing his grip, Father Donahue gave Hal a parting nod. I'll wait. And then he walked quickly to the back of the church and through the threshold. Hal wanted to scream. He wanted to shout and to tear his hair out in great chunks all over the sanctuary floor. Instead, he took deep, ragged breaths, raging silently at the injustice of it being he who made it to the end. And now they're all trapped in hell because of me. He turned to stare at Gadriel, who was still facing the glowing window. He seemed mournful somehow. Maybe it was the set of his shoulders, maybe the slight droop of his wings beneath the shroud. Then, unexpectedly, the angel spoke. I hear them always, crying out in agony, all trapped here in hell because of me. Hal's eyes widened at the angel's words, and he blinked hard for a moment. One man's mistakes, one angel's. He shook his head. God, this world is twisted. But as he thought about the strange, unexpected similarity between himself and the fallen angel, he had a sudden thought. His head snapped up. Maybe there was still a way to fix this. So, you just send me back to Earth, or what? I mean, how does this work? Gadriel turned to face him. The request is of your choosing. I will simply make it so. Hal took a steadying breath, forcing himself to act before his determination gave out. Then, make it so I never existed. Make it so that I was never born. Gadriel's gaze was piercing, even through the shroud and cloth around his eyes. I cannot. Hal swore and spun away, stalking over to the window again. Creation is the sole domain of the Almighty, Gadriel continued in solemn tones as Hal paced away. I have no power to strip from you that which he has given. Hal leaned heavily against the windowsill. The stool was cool beneath his hands, just as it would have been had he been alive. Lifting his gaze, he saw Father Donahue in the distance, kneeling at the foot of the bridge, 
The first five minutes of his 50-year sentence in hell already begun. But then, staring at him, he remembered the first time he'd ever seen the priest, and he hurried back to Gadriel. Gadriel, he called. I know what I want. Hal seized as pain shot through his body. A flash of light lit behind his eyelids, but quickly went dark again. He could feel himself slipping. He jerked again, muscles involuntarily bunching in a unified, jarring response to the violent shock passing through his body. Light bloomed again, a bright red behind his heavy lids. He heard a steady, rhythmic beeping begin. Something was pressed uncomfortably hard against his face, and he coughed spasmodically as a burst of air was forced into his lungs. The pressure lifted from his face and he moaned. His whole body hurt. It felt like he'd been struck by lightning. White light pierced his vision and then faded, only to return immediately in the other eye. Groaning, he turned his head away, blinking against the splotchy afterimage hovering in front of his eyes. He blinked again. A crucifix? Frantically, he searched for a face, but his head was forcibly rolled back to stare at the ceiling. Someone was pressing against the back of his jaw, forcing his mouth open, and he felt something hard press against his tongue. Nearly panicking, he swiped his arm up, knocking away the hands attempting to intubate him. No tubes, he managed weakly. No tubes, no vents. I refuse. A familiar voice answered back, sounding slightly impatient. Sir, I need you to lie still, all right? This is going to help you breathe. I can breathe fine, Al argued, turning his head away from Dr. Benjamin Turner as he came toward him again. Please, I need to give confession. Hal watched the young doctor hesitate and look over to Hal's other side. Hal turned to look as well, moving gingerly, searching the space over his shoulder, hoping, praying. My son, there'll be plenty of time for that once your health is a bit more stable. Hal breathed a sigh of relief as he heard the calm, kind voice of Father Donahue reach him from above his head. Father, I'm in immediate fear for my life, and I want to confess my sins right now. The priest shifted around the side of the gurney to allow Hal an easier view of him. It's not important. Not right this very second. Let the doctors do their work, and then... No, it is important. Right now. My son, I... Hal reached out and grasped the sleeve of his jacket. Father Nathan Donahue, from one unworthy servant to another. Father Donahue froze in his motion to call the doctor back over. Please. He studied Hal's face for a long moment. I'm sorry. Have we met? He nodded, giving the priest a fierce stare. Oh, in another life. Look, Father, it's very important. I need to speak with you. I'll refuse any more medical treatment until I do. Father Donahue cast an uneasy glance at Doc Turner. Would you agree, he began hesitantly, to accept treatment if I promise to meet you in your room? I can have a nurse tell me where to expect you. Hal could feel the worry begin to show on his face, and the cadence of the nearby beeping increased. 
My son, you have just suffered a major heart attack. You need medical attention. Hal turned his head to look at Doc Turner, still arrested in a position of waiting, his gloved hands held casually away from his body. Slowly, Hal nodded. It wouldn't do him any good just to wind up back in hell before he'd had a chance to fix things. He still held a tight grip on the priest's sleeve. You'll wait there for me. Go nowhere else. Father Donahue nodded. I'll wait. With a horrible pang, Hal remembered the last time the priest had said those words. He released his sleeve, swallowing back the thick lump in his throat as he relaxed back onto the gurney. All right, Doc, I'm all yours. No tube, so. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Hal hesitated, feeling suddenly uncomfortable. Um, that's what I'm supposed to say, right? I've never done this before. Father Donahue lifted an eyebrow at him in a speculative manner. Hal had adamantly refused the blue curtain beside his bed when the priest attempted to screen himself from view, requesting instead that he sit facing him. He needed the reassurance of being able to see Father Donahue's face for this. Haven't you ever gone to confession before? Hal grunted a laugh, wincing at the lingering pain in his muscles. Father, I'm not even a Catholic. I didn't believe in any of this stuff until... Uh... But he cut off his words, turning his head away and clenching his jaw. I'm right about this, though. Whatever I tell you during confession, you have to believe, or something like that. I think I heard that in a movie once. Well, something. He was babbling, and he knew it. But he couldn't seem to help himself. Father Donahue eyed him for a long moment, assessing him. Why don't you tell me what's on your mind? Start at the beginning. The beginning. So, Hal took a deep breath and told him. He told him about the bus and Doc Turner and Amelia. He told him about Amun and things he'd said, what he'd done to the others. He spoke of their journey together, the church and of Gadriel, trapped forever in a prison of his own guilt, and finally of the priest's own self-imposed penance to protect the world from Amun being reborn. He told him everything. And then he cried. Three days later, Father Donahue wheeled Hal to the small covered bus stop by County General's main entrance. Grunting a bit, he hefted himself out of the oversized hospital wheelchair and sat heavily on the long bench, not even minding the slightly sticky feel of the dirty metal. The priest had left Hal's room after his nightmarish confession that first day in a state of silent reflection or stunned disbelief. Hal could easily have believed both. He was sure his story had completely blindsided the man, but Father Donahue returned the next day while Hal was eating breakfast and began peppering him with questions, trying to poke holes in his story, lightly but seeming more and more fascinated the more he challenged it. The following morning he returned again, two large coffees in hand and seeming different somehow, more animated, more alive. Hal had no other word for it. He gave Hal a brief pat on the shoulder, now before, bending to lift the worn middle of the wheelchair seat to collapse the bulky frame. I'll take this back to the greeter desk. I'll be right back. Hal leaned his head back against the plexiglass barrier of the bus stop and closed his eyes, only to open them again as he felt someone join him on the bench. He glanced over. 
The girl gave him an uncomfortable look when his eyes didn't immediately return to where they'd been. She reached up and began twisting the end of one pink-tipped black pigtail. Um, can I help you? Hal suddenly realised he'd been staring. No, <laughs> excuse me, I was just... Well, that's a very beautiful cross. Two teenage boys, their greasy dyed black hair swinging identically forward into their eyes as they sat, took the bench next to her, one of them rolling his eyes a bit and shaking his head at Hal's comment. But the girl reached up and fingered the tiny silver cross at her throat and smiled a bit, making Hal feel a little better about his slip. The familiar hiss and whine of heavy brakes engaging brought his attention back up to find the bus rolling to a stop in front of them. Bracing himself with one hand against the back rail, he began to struggle to lift himself from the bench, but quickly gave up, flopping back down to give it a second try. Small hands took his elbow in a firm grip. Um, are you a patient? she asked, casting a quick glance at the plastic bracelet around his wrist. Do you need some help? Just then, Father Donahue came jogging back around the corner. Hal! Oh, good. Is this one you? Hal glanced at the bus, watching the two boys climb the rubber-coated steps. This one's me, he confirmed, and I've even enlisted some help to see me safely to a seat. Father Donahue turned to look at the young woman at Hal's elbow, and his motions hesitated. His eyes passed rapidly from the neon pink hair to the artfully torn black clothes to the black platform boots, then finally to the cross at her throat. Hal knew what he must be thinking. He described Amelia in great detail during their talks. Father Nathan Donahue, he said then, extending a hand in introduction. It's uh, very kind of you to offer to help, miss. He left the question hanging. She took his hand with an embarrassed sort of smile. Amelia. Father Donahue's quick intake of breath was subtle, but Hal had been listening. Amelia, he repeated, releasing her hand after a brief squeeze. You know, the hospital is always looking for volunteers. You seem to have a knack for it. She gave a quick laugh and another shy smile. Yeah, sure, I'll look into it. Then she glanced down at Hal. Ready? Between Father Donahue and Amelia, Hal was able to make it onto the bus without difficulty. Taking his seat, he turned to look out of the window. Father Donahue was back on the curb, contemplating the sidewalk with a level of attention that told Hal his mind was off somewhere very distant. As the bus started to pull away, though, he looked up. His face was drawn and intent. He didn't break his gaze with the bus as it finally turned out of sight. Taking a deep breath, Hal leaned his head back against the seat. Good. This was good. Well, that one was a bit epic, wasn't it? Bloody hell, what did you think of that? Okay, well, good to know. There's a way out of hell. 
if you're a bit patient and you like a bit of climbing. <laughs> what a fantastic story to start the week off with. I really hope you enjoyed that one. That was um, a lot of effort to read, but very, very rewarding in the end. Thoughts, feelings, comments in the comment section below the video. And as ever, I'll do my best to respond. Whew, a bit tired after that one, but of course, I will be back again with you very, very soon. I promise you all. You're going to join me again, aren't you? Of course you are. Well, until then, very, very sweet dreams and bye-bye. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this story today. It really means a lot to me and to the author of the story, of course. Well, if you want to know more about me, I'm pretty much everywhere on social media. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can download my music on SoundCloud. Um, I've got a Patreon if you feel like. Throw me a dollar or two. Very much appreciated. And of course, on Reddit, I have a place where you can leave stories if you want me to read one that you've written. Well, hoping to see you all again very soon. Till then, sweet dreams. Bye-bye.